All right, so for today, we are continuing our uh, message on deception. So deception, especially within a marriage, can truly tear it apart. And it's not just the obvious things like uh, adultery or theft. You know, and while both parties can be deceived and deceive others, we can't really ignore the fact that Eve was the one deceived in the garden. And there are implications for that. We talked about that last time, but we're going to actually look a little bit more under the underlying sources of deception so that we can manage deception of ourselves, of each other, and deception by the culture. So when we get back, we're going to continue on that topic. So let's start with a recap of what is deception. So if we looked at the last message, the very first action of deception is to fundamentally disagree with God's truth just right out of the gate. And this is different from wrestling and trying to understand and humbly sort of saying, oh, this is hard. I don't want to understand it, but help me understand it. It's, it's different. It's saying out of the gate, that's not true. So it happens in both genders. It happens to everybody at some point. I can give you a simple example of how it shows up. Um, you know, I would talk with my wife and I would say, hey, there's these different roles between man and woman, including this one about deception. And her response is, it's not true. Maybe it's different words. And I'll have that with other conversations on other topics with other people. The response is, oh, it's, that's not true. I can't believe that. I, I, I know there are hard things in scripture. And part of the growth is recognizing we don't want to believe it, but we wrestle with it such that we get to a place where we acknowledge, okay, that is the truth. Because at the end, when you're wrestling with the truth, when you truly engage with the truth, it is the truth that will win. However, if you choose not to engage, the truth will win, but in a way that will come out in a perhaps unpleasant manner. So the second one is to make strawmen from extremes. So this strategy, we saw that from the last uh, study, is to just say, well, something's not always true. Therefore, and then parentheses, the implications, therefore it's not true. Usually the parentheses is left out. But if you're in a debate or discussion with someone, and this happens a lot, um, is, oh, well, I believe this is this. Well, it's not always true. And it implies, therefore, it's not true. Therefore, let's not take the grain of truth that's in there, right? That is a strategy to say, well, let's take it to the complete extreme in the same way that the serpent did, okay? And the last one is assigning ill intent behind the truth. So you may be presenting a truth about a financial situation or presenting something from scripture and then immediately the way you deceive yourself is to say well that's not intended for my good you're intending that for my bad and that dissipates the truth it's like well i don't have to believe it and therefore you're now on the path towards deception and we can see this dynamic in regular relationships as well as our relationship with the word of god once we become attuned to what is happening in this conversation we can start to see there's some deception that has happened. Now, remember, the deception isn't just from one party to the counterparty. As in the case back in the garden, the deception began before 
Eve spoke to Adam. There was this deception by the serpent. She herself was deceived. So where does this start? Because if the person who deceives the other, if that source of that deception often starts from themselves being deceived first, perhaps one of the ways to limit deception is to start. So let's take a look at Jeremiah 17.9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? There is so much here in this small piece of um, text, but I want to pull back before I go into it to sort of lay out what's the intent behind the broader passage in this chapter from Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17.5 earlier says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. This in some ways is the the general thesis of so much of the Bible, which is the cursed nature of man who trusts in himself, who relies on the flesh of his strength, because it is ultimately the equivalent of turning your heart away from God. And this one comes nested under that verse. And so in some ways, it's getting at the core, which is the heart's own deceitful nature. It is trying to deceive ourselves. It is almost hopelessly so. It is desperately sick to the point we can't truly understand it. We, and, and the heart of understanding really is wisdom in God. Understanding comes through um, through faith and wisdom that comes as granted from God. So this, this passage, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Is sort of the prime engine that causes this deception. So, what are we to take with that? Because aren't there things that we hear that, oh, just follow your heart, right? This is the culture. Just follow your heart, and, and, and that's going to lead you to where, where it goes. What, what about this statement? The heart wants what the heart wants. I'm not even sure what it means, but it's often used to justify whatever the heart wants is what we should follow. Now, I'm not saying that we have to be completely rational and automatons, and there's no role for the heart. But I am saying is it is a vector for deception. And in that, with our relationships, we need to understand the nature of guarding that heart and what the counterpart is to living out of our heart, which I'll talk about in the next message. So the first one is to get you to believe what is the nature of the heart and who tends to live out of their heart more often. Because we're going back into the troubling ground, the difficult ground of different roles of man and woman within the marriage. So, again, very cautious about stereotypes and generalizations, but if you had to guess within your relationship or relationship amongst friends, who tends to live more out of their heart, the woman or the wife or the man? There are some very purely rational women who try to think out of their head. Maybe you do the Enneagram and you know my cautions around that, but there are some benefits. Some show up as they live out of their head and some live out of their heart. Um, I, I think there's some deeper dives in scripture about who really carries that heart 
And I believe we can make the case that it is women typically. And so what does that mean for purely rational women? And what does it mean for men who aren't? We can address that later. But, but right now, I just want to plant a stake in the ground that it leans towards the feminine. It leans towards the wife, the mother. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. It's from Proverbs 4.23. So there's nothing gendered about this. There's nothing gendered about that. We all have to guard our hearts, whether you're a man or whether you're a woman. But that wellspring of life, the fact to me that it's connected to the generation of life is not only theologically significant, but it suggests, it suggests the one who brings forth life above all guard their heart. And in, in that case, in, in the practical worldly sense, it is women who bring forth life. So I'm not going to make the thesis here, the argument that it is just women who are deceived by the heart. We actually already have the foundation that it was Eve not Adam who was deceived. So let's actually go back to it and say, well, what was the nature of that deception? So in Genesis 3, 6 says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. That is the moment where she has deceived herself. We looked in the first message that what was it that Satan said We covered that in the recap, but now she has incorporated the deception, right? The nature of deception can often be some deceptive thought comes. The next deception actually is ourselves believing the lie. So let's take a look. What is the nature? What was appealed to? If the serpent has to choose between man and woman, and we believe that they are different, what are the attributes of this deception that ultimately succeeded? So, good for food. So, there's an inclination for pragmatism, which could be male or female, but pleasure, a desire for survival, pleasing to the eye. There's some element of vanity and pride, and then a desire for gaining women with the emphasis on desire to gain. Could both of those apply to men? They could. But the point is, there is an emotional element to these. Good for food, pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom. So could you say, oh, well, they are rational? you, you, You could. You could. And then we'll talk about maybe why I don't think that's the case. The The point is, these are some of the elements that can reach somebody who's the one who makes the greatest decisions about what looks good what looks good in the home what looks good on you i'll use a simple example for men in terms of what looks pleasing to the to the eye men typically don't are unaware of how they dress they're not that great about it women from from very early on they're they're geared around what's pleasing to the eye they're aware of that and oftentimes in relationships is the female who tries to get the man to to dress a certain way it could be in part because it's better for him but it's also because it reflects on oneself when we try to find things that are pleasing to the eye some element is a desire to reflect on ourselves. that's an emotional reaction so this isn't a hard sort of like argument 
that it is just women who are deceived at the heart. I, I do believe there is some space for discussion which varies from relationship to relationship, who really is the more emotional? And if they are, are they more prone to this kind of deception? Meaning they deceive themselves and then attempt to persuade the other person. Um, and that's another form of deception. So it doesn't mean all women are deceivers all the time. That may be an argument some of you bring up. We're now illustrating that form of deception, which is to take the extreme as the straw man and make it not true. So we, we, it might be happening here in a very meta moment, but look in your own conversations. Who tends to do that? Now, what does it mean? What's the application? So man's role is also not easy. It seems like we're blaming the female, but it's not easy because he has to do two things. Neither which Adam did. And so he is pre-fall man, and he still wasn't able to achieve it. And so this is both sides acknowledging, both sides acknowledging the man's role is not easy because he has to not be deceived. So the wife may come, she's been deceived, and has so many, many approaches to deceiving. We'll talk about what those are. And must correct the deception, neither of which Adam did. The woman's role is to respect the man's attempts to not be deceived and be corrected by potential deception. Now, that's that's also hard. If one is already deceived that one's perception is right, and then respecting someone's attempt to say, no, I don't think that's true, and we'll talk about what that characteristic, that attribute is, that, that's also hard. Let's take a look really quickly before we wrap this up about the nature of the culture in this deception. So happy wife, happy life is a deception. It is implying whatever the emotional responses of the woman's point of view, that must reign as truth and reality to achieve happiness. How many people heard it and use it and follow it? And I can tell you it doesn't work. It is not the truth. So, there's a bunch of things here that are intended to be thought-provoking. But next time, we're going to look a little bit more at some pragmatic situations. But what is the counterpoint? What is the counterbalance to this um, emotional, heart-driven deception according to the Word of God? So, as always, um, if you have comments, add them below. Or you can put them right as a recording, and I'll try to address them the next time. Thanks again. Until next time. Bye now.